Well, we are uh, in a series of messages, and last week we talked about footholds, and this week we're going to talk about strongholds, and I just want to start with a, an honest question. Don't worry, we're not going to ask you to confess, you know, what this is to everyone, but, but does anybody here ever get into, you know, a habit that you kind of find difficult to break? Maybe it has a, a hold on you or even a strong hold on you. Anybody besides me? Yeah. So at our house, here's sort of a, sort of a mild one to ease into this. Don't worry, it'll get more serious as we go. Uh, we, we try to eat, you know, fairly healthily. I know that's a shock when you look at me, but my wife is doing her best, so she only has so much to work with it. But um, um, I actually did lose some weight this last fall, and then the holidays rolled around. Anybody else in this boat? The holidays rolled around, and yeah, here we go. And then, of course, it was going to be well after the holidays, and then we had company, so, um, and really what I'd like to do is blame some of you for the interesting habits that I got into. Um, some of you, some of you were nice enough for Christmas to buy me, you know, my favorite temptation, these dark chocolate sea salt caramels, yes, yes, I would love to blame those of you um, who gave me those for my kind of falling off the wagon and getting into some bad habits, well, these were actually really thoughtful gifts, gifts, and and, you know, I, I, I probably could have, you know, shared them with other people instead of eating most of them myself. And it was more than a two-pack that I got, by the way. So I'm just saying. So that's on me. But in our house, sometimes we get into uh, an ice cream kick. Anybody know what this is, an ice cream kick? Right, you know. It's like all of a sudden, it's not just we're going to have ice cream, you know, maybe once a week or so. Suddenly we find ourselves making it a nightly occurrence, right? Near nightly occurrence. Though we're just having ice cream, it's kind of, oh, we're going to kick back, have a bowl of ice cream, do whatever we do in the evening. In fact, when Dave and Bonnie Johnson um, were here with us, Dave spoke in the services here, but when they stayed with us for two and a half weeks, uh, Dave is the devil. I mean, Dave purchased um, Fat Boys. Have you tried these? Oh my goodness, how have I gone my whole life and not known about this ice cream sandwich? They have them at Walmart, so there you go. You're welcome. Um, and the problem was that it became like our nightly treat because as soon as I knew where to get them, you know, I just kept replenishing and, you know, had to be like, all right, that was the last one. Here we go. We're going to be good. And then we'd look in the, oh, the drawer magically refilled. It was like five loaves and two fish. It just kept on <laughs> multiplying somehow. We'll do that with like popcorn where we just have to have a bag of popcorn every night, or, or my wife's favorite is the dark chocolate-covered pomegranate berries that you get at Costco, the little, oh man, those are, yeah. But finally, we've been saying sometime, sometime, soon, 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 this week we decided to break those things that had a strong hold on us and clean out our digestive system at the same time by going really way too far, I think. Um, we did the Whole30 diet. Yes, you know this, right? The Whole30 diet is what we're doing. Um, base, yeah, thank you for booing. I'm with you. Um, basically, 30 days of good, healthy eating. No refined sugar. I mean, like the, look at the stuff you can and can't eat. No refined sugar, no breads, no alcohol, no artificial anything, no pasta. Basically, like, no fun, okay? That's, that's the diet. And, you know, so this was going to be hard. I knew this. And it's somewhere about, like, day, I don't know, one. <laughs> um, 
I started noticing all these cravings, right? All these things that had a strong hold on me. And then when they get taken away, I get a little crabby. I get a little impatient. I have trouble focusing. When I decided that I would do this Whole30 diet, I should say, when Heidi demanded that we do this Whole30 diet, yes, no. She gave me the option, no, but, but, but she didn't tell me. Nobody told me that the side effects were not just you know, crankiness and impatience, but the side effects included nausea, vomiting, water weight gain, lower back pain, receding hairline, eczema, liver spots, blood clots, ringworm, body odor, uneven tire wear, halitosis, scoliosis, lot of loss of bladder control, cluttered drawers, heart attack, low resale value on your home, athlete's foot, head lice, fleas, anxiety, sleeplessness, drowsiness, poor gas mileage, tooth decay, split ends, warts, unibrow, fruit flies, chest pains, clogged drains, dry heaving, and loss of taste accompanied by unusual urges to listen to country music. No one told me. No one told me. All that just from you know, eating healthy. So I guess there are cravings that I have that have a strong hold. I'm not sure for sure that they are strongholds. Strongholds, maybe, maybe. And when I say that word, stronghold, some of you are intensely aware because you think rightly about the things that we do struggle with in our life that are strongholds, things that are actually very serious, things like addictions, mindsets or attitudes that drain the life out of us, chronic thoughts that seem to come at us over and over and over. Maybe they happen so frequently that we start to believe that these thoughts we have are just a part of us. Maybe they're a part of our personality. We, we resign ourselves to believing that that melancholy is just who I am, and I'd better just accept it. You know, some people have a positive outlook, I guess, but not me, not ever, which is a serious stronghold, and the enemy will use that stronghold as a weapon against you. And in our current series, Supernatural, we are looking at the unseen world, and we spent the first few weeks focused on Uh, who the Bible says that the devil is and that we do have an enemy in the story and looking at some of the strategies of Satan and how he attacks us and why he does. Last week, we looked at one of his strategies, footholds, which showed us how places of unforgiveness and anger, unresolved anger, can create a place, uh, a foothold for the enemy to operate in our lives. And I said last week, and so here we go, we're going to look at strongholds. And I want to start by having you guys stand and having us read um, these three verses from Scripture aloud together. So will you stand? Very participatory today. We're going to read this out loud together. Here we go. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Father, I pray now that as we, as we listen to your word and the teaching, that the things that are from you for each of us will stick in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Um, will you do and begin a work in us? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
Now look back at that verse, verse 3 and 4 here. The passage here essentially just reminds us, you know, we do live in the world. We do live here on this world, but we fight a different way. We don't fight the way the world fights. We fight with weapons that have divine power. And by the way, if you were in a battle, how many of you would like weapons that have divine power? Yes, well, you have them. And the power word right there is this word in the Greek. It's this word where we now get our word dynamite from. So we're talking about explosive power. And in verse 4, what does it say we demolish? Strongholds. Verse 4, it says we demolish what? Strongholds, yes. Um, And the next slide, verse 5, it says we demolish strongholds and we demolish arguments Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. These are, these are places in our life where the enemy tries to convince us of things that are not true, that go contrary to who God is and what his word declares him to be. And then that last line here is really important, I think, for us in understanding strongholds. It says, the last three lines on here, I guess, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That means that we take captive every thought so they line up with the truth of what Christ and the word of God declares. And I want to focus the rest of our time this morning on strongholds. Now, in the, word, in the verse that we just read here, the word stronghold in the Greek, I don't even think I should try to say it, but it sounds like Oklahoma to me, but it's Okoroma, and it means these three things are the typical definitions are to fortify, Stronghold to fortify. It can mean a strong castle, or this one's really interesting, it can mean a prisoner locked by deception. And that one kind of sticks with me because I believe that for some of you, and sometimes for me, but maybe there's a lie. The enemy has you believing a lie that, you're ho- that your life is hopeless, that you will always be stuck, that God will never really care about you or draw near to you or that you could draw near to him And you believe maybe that in your case, maybe this isn't true for others, but in my case, that my stronghold is true is what some of us believe. But hear me, if that's anywhere in your mind, then then you are being a prisoner held by deception, locked in by deception. By believing the enemy's lie, you've given him a stronghold, but you can get free because God wants to break the power of that lie that has you thinking and stuck in your thinking that you're in a stronghold with no way out. And so as we look at strongholds here this morning, I'm asking Jesus to give us courage, each one of us courage to name our biggest stronghold and then to have the trust to ask him to set us free, to name what the biggest stronghold is that we wrestle with and to trust him to set us free. But I want to say this at the outset. It doesn't get done in a you know, 30-minute sermon, at least not in this one. It's not always quick. It's not always easy. Because a stronghold is three things. It's a place of strength where evil gets entrenched. A stronghold is, secondly, not out in the open. It's not easily exposed. And third, any stronghold is well-defended and difficult to attack. Now, in a literal physical sense of what a stronghold is, a stronghold, especially in in early days or in biblical times and before that, uh, it it served as a military camp. A stronghold was a a castle or maybe a fort or a fortress. Uh, It could be a base of operations, maybe a headquarters for a military or governmental force. And in Bible times, when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, that church, the people there, when they heard the word stronghold, they would have known exactly what it was that he was describing. 
See, back in the ancient world, if there was a prosperous city, they didn't only build walls around itself. It also built inside a stronghold. And that stronghold was this immensely fortified place that was inside of the city. Sometimes the stronghold itself had walls that were 20 feet thick. It was so strong that even if opposing forces were to breach the city walls, that stronghold is where you know, the leaders could retreat to and defend themselves with relatively few soldiers because there's not a lot of ways in and they could stave off their opponents for a long, long time. But if eventually a stronghold got taken, that was the end of the battle. So that's a physical stronghold, what it looked like in history. And in our verse, in our passage today, Paul is pointing out, the Apostle Paul saying that our enemy seeks to build strongholds in our lives. These are places where he, he sets up operations, like in the physical sense, sets up these operations to attack us from. Now, if you weren't here last week, I'll do a quick reminder um, because a lot of times there's a lot of fear around this, and I want to clarify, if you're a Christian, if you belong to Jesus, he, he is in you. Christ is in you. Satan cannot possess you. You can't be demon-possessed. But it's clear from Scripture, and we've looked at this in previous weeks, that the enemy can and wants to oppress you and harass you, and the enemy still attacks and harasses us, even though he cannot possess Someone, and he looks for, like we talked about last week, he looks for footholds where he can gain a grip and try to work us over in an area. And today we are looking at how he tries to dig in and create strongholds in our lives. And this verse that we're looking at shows us that those strongholds are often in our mind. Now, when you think about a stronghold, I mean, just back to thinking about the physical look of what a stronghold is, it's, it's like if you have one nation plotting to take over another nation, and so they, they want to sneak onto the land of the nation they're trying to take over and set up a stronghold on their soil. That way, troops and operations can be launched from that base, from within that country, inside their target's borders. And a spiritual stronghold works in a very similar way to a physical stronghold. See, a, a spiritual stronghold is a place where we have allowed sin or the lies of the enemy to take root in our lives. And once it begins to do that, that stronghold becomes a launching pad or a place for the lies of the enemy and for the schemes of the enemy to more easily operate in our lives. And it's important to recognize that strongholds are all built on lies. They're built on lies. A stronghold in my life or yours is built on a lie. And what the enemy does is he whispers lies, he whispers lies, and when we believe those lies, he sets up a base of operation, a stronghold from where he can do damage. And most of the time, it's false beliefs or statements that we, that we trust. So it's all about lies. And remember, Satan is the father of lies. In John 8, Jesus said, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I think Jesus says it pretty clearly. What's the enemy do? He lies. He lies and he uses lies, and he wants to use lies to destroy and cripple you like we've talked about in previous weeks. He's looking for these places to build strongholds in our life. And again, he can't possess us, 
but he does try to oppress us, to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, in that same chapter where Jesus talked about the devil being a liar, he also said this. He said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's say that one aloud together. It's on the screen. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, Scripture says this. We'll look back at our passage from 2 Corinthians again. Um, This is what the Apostle Paul is saying and teaching us here. Whatever it is that your stronghold is, whatever holds you prisoner in your mind, what do we do? We demolish it, right? He says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's what we do. We take captive... And that tells us we are not a prisoner to every thought that comes inside of our head, right? We take captive, every one of our thoughts we take captive and we make them obedient to Christ. We, we, we take our thoughts captive. Whatever the lie is that we're believing, we take it captive. We take it captive. In fact, the Greek term that's translated right there about taking captive, I love this term. It's a term, like it's pretty aggressive actually. We take captive. Uh, it means to attack with a sword, or a spear. Like, that's pretty aggressive. It's not just sort of passively, well, you know, it's, oh, I'll, take, I'll take that captive. He's saying, no, no. We take captive these thoughts because they're pretty dangerous. We take captive, we attack, we attack with a sword or with a spear. And I love that because it reminds me uh, of a different passage. Like this one here that we're looking at today in 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. And that reminds me of of Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 17, which talks about having spiritual armor, which is worth a whole sermon on its own. Um, Spiritual armor, which, by the way, if there was not supposed to be a battle, why would we have to wear spiritual armor? It could be like telling somebody, hey, put all this hockey gear on and then go watch a hockey game. Like, get your skates and your stick, right? Right? We're just in a, okay, we're in front of the armor, but there's no battle to do, right? So we put on spiritual armor, and what do we have? Real quick, we have the belt of truth. According to that scripture, we have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shoes that are prepared with the gospel of peace. We have the shield of faith. We have the helmet of salvation, and each one of those are defensive weapons. They are spiritual armor to defend yourself, and we have one offensive Weapon. Do you know what the weapon on offense is? Yes. Take up, verse 17, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's our offensive weapon in the fight. We fight back with the word of God. See, it's the word of God that defeats the enemy, that sets us free, that releases us from captivity to strongholds that we've set up. The word of God, what it does is it speaks truth to the lies of the enemy, The word of God is a light that shines into the darkness of the enemy and illuminates so that we can see the truth of what's really going on. Scripture says that that the powerful living word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, and you use a sword like that to cut away, aggressively attack the lies of the enemy. And so we use God's word to take captive any lies that have held us hostage. So here's my question. What's your stronghold? What's your stronghold? What is the dominant lie that your spiritual enemy has tried to use to destroy your faith, 
to, to kill off your relationships, to, to rob you of the intimacy that God offers for you to have with him, to, to lock you in a prison of addiction, a prison of fear, a prison of anxiety. What is the stronghold? What is the stronghold? Now for me, the biggest lie, as I reflected on this, because I don't ask you to answer questions without me doing some work. <laughs> and for me, the biggest lie, the one that's, that I've been attacking with the truth of the word of God, but it's one that's haunted me since I was probably a teenager. The, the lie that the enemy has badgered and come at me with in this lie, this thing that I've always believed is that I don't have what it takes, I'm not good enough, and that I will always fail. I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. Somehow, I will always fail. And then when I fail, people will reject me, abandon me when they, don't, when they see that I don't have what it takes. And God probably, too, will reject me. Those are lies that I've had to battle for years. And some of that I've gotten very free of because of the word of God. But this lie is really persistent, which is an example of a stronghold. It's persistent because it kind of pops up in different ways at different places in my life. Just when I think I've got that one understood or, 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 or worked out and defeated, it tries to work its way back in again. Um, it morphs into something different. And these days, and this is just straight honesty here, um, here's how the lie presents itself. And by the way, oftentimes it sounds like first person stuff. So just don't think that just because I'm saying, you say things in your mind or I'm saying in my mind something first person that it's a thought that comes from me, right? These are lies from the enemy, but here's how it shows up when I let this lie stew long enough. Things like I will never be good enough to pastor or lead the church. I'll never preach good enough sermons. I'll never be a good enough leader, good enough mentor, good enough planner, good enough visionary, good enough supervisor, counselor, vision caster. I will always be a failure in one area or another. And sometimes when I get caught up in that lie as it applies to here in ministry at church, I might start finding myself working really hard trying to prove that I am a good enough pastor but what I find oftentimes is that when I put all my attention on church and ministry and I'm striving somehow, which is not how God calls us to operate, but when I start doing that, I start neglecting and failing now as a husband or as a dad or as a son. But if I go over here and I give all my time to my family, then I fail in leading this church that God has entrusted me and our leaders here with leading. And listen, hey, you know, I love you all, <laughs> but I can't live up to your expectations. There's no way. There's no way. Um, either I don't measure up to somebody's last church or their last pastor, or I don't measure up to the pastors that were here before me. And, and Pastor Paul, he was, he was way better with, than, than I am at connecting with people. And, and, and Pastor Dwayne before him, he was better than me at like everything, right? <laughs> and I love, I admire those, those, those men. I love and admire them. Um, but, you know, like, I can't meet with everybody, and I can't counsel everybody, and I can't do everything I need to do in order for us to take what I think is the next step for us to take as a church. I feel like I can't deliver. I see myself not getting it all done, and the lie comes at me, and it says, I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes, and I am failing. Now, here's the thing about these lies, these strongholds that we believe, um, is that there is some truth in it. 
right? Like, like there is some truth in it. And the devil looks for this weakness that we have where there is some truth and then he twists it, right? He twists it and sets up a stronghold, a place where he can then camp out in that lie and then just harass us. I mean, there is some truth, which is why it's easy to believe this stuff. And we just think it's normal. We think it's true and real. And it's actually what's true about us. And you know, for me, because of my weaknesses, because of my limitation, there's a lot of truth in the fact that I will never be enough. Like I have. I have failed. I've blown it. I've disappointed a lot of people. And if I haven't let you down yet, wait your turn, okay? <laughs> so there is some truth mixed in some of this, and this is where strongholds start to feel true. Like there's enough truth that we might accept it and go, you know what, that is true, and then here's where the enemy goes into action. We start to live in despair and defeat, and he is delighted when it works. See, there is evidence honestly, that I will never be quite enough on my own. I'll never be enough on my own. But thankfully, when I turn to the sword of the Spirit, to the Word of God, the Word of God tells me that in Christ, he's, it, it, the Word tells us that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And there is a power greater in me through Christ that is absolutely able to do all that God has called me to do and you too. There's a power in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, this applies to you, not just to pastors or ministry people. This applies to all of us. There's a power in you that is more than enough to do what it is that God calls you to do. And so for me, what do you do with, with, with the lies? How do we demolish it? With the, we demolish lies with truth. And so that stronghold that I am fighting to demolish that says I'm not good enough, I don't have what it takes, and I'm always going to fail, Here, here's the truth from the word of God, Second Peter, verse 1 and 3. It says that God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. This is just one of the truths, by the way. That, and this is why with your handout, there's like over 50 of them on there. And that was like shrinking it way down just to give you some truths about, about Christ in you and who he says you are if you belong to him. These are, this one that I just read, the one on the screen here, is just one of the truths that, 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 that I use and wield against the lie of the enemy. It's this stronghold that pops up in my life and that scripture is the one that I continue to bring back to it. Now, let me give you something that I think could be helpful in your battle. When you want to use a truth of Scripture to battle a lie, we personalize it, right? If you're going to use a truth from Scripture to battle the lie that's coming at you, you can read the verse like that. But here's what I think is more powerful to personalize it. We take that truth, we personalize it. And so, same thing on the screen, I might say it this way. So, God's divine power has given me everything I need for a godly life through my knowledge of Jesus who called me by his own glory and goodness. 
We personalize the truth. So we let it internalize and we're using it against the lies. So this means for me, the truth is that, 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 that he has given me the time, the strength to do what he called me to do. And by the way, I need to get real clear on what he called me to do and be okay with doing what God calls me and you to do and to be okay with the people who are let down when you or I can't say yes to what they want us to do. And that goes, by the way, for all of our staff and and, and pastors here. Our first calling, the calling of any pastor, and then some of our mentors from our denomination keep drilling this home for us, um, is that our first calling is to minister to our family at home first. Like we pastors and ministry people can't continually neglect our spouses and kids and expect God to bless our church and make it a real deal. So the truth is, when we figure out what God has called us to do, you and me both, and for me, I'll personalize it here, he gives me enough to live and to walk as he called me to live and walk. Because in Christ, I do have what it takes. And when I feel weak, his strength is made perfect in me. When I feel confused or defeated, scripture says that I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. The power of the Holy Spirit is there for me when I don't have what it takes. These are all truths from the word of God and they shed light on the lies of the enemy, on the strongholds of the enemy and they have the power to break lies that would try to keep me in despondency or fatigue or failure or depression and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set you free. See, here's the deal, friends. Every one of us wrestles with lies, with messages of defeat or anger or frustration or discouragement um, what's, our, what's our church sign out there on the street? What's it say? Right. No perfect people, right? That's, that's all of us. How many of you here, just to reinforce, how many of you are not perfect? Look around. Find the ones that are. You're going to go learn from them. That's good. Okay. Um, how many of you know that just because you accept Jesus, the, the, the hard drive of your emotions, your memories, your wounds, your struggles, your mistakes, that hard drive doesn't automatically get erased. We still struggle. Raise your hands if you know that's true. Right. Now let me read our passage again here from, from 2 Corinthians. It says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Strongholds. So, what is the big lie in your life? Again, what's that stronghold that, that, that holds you back? And what is the truth that will set you free? What's the truth from the word of God? And in this handout we gave you today, these scriptures are reminders of the truth of who we are in Christ. When you think about your most ingrained stronghold or the lie that the enemy keeps telling you, for some of us it's the lie, the lie or the stronghold is, you know what, I'm on my own. I'm, I'm always gonna be alone. But who does God say you are? 
Yes, he says, you are mine. You belong to me. And you could say, you know what? No, I reject that lie. I reject that lie. I'm a child of God. He will never, his word says, he will never leave me or forsake me. How about the lie that some of us believe that I have gone too far, that there's no chance that I will experience God's full forgiveness. Uh, in fact, you could pull something off the scriptures here. Let's just do this interactively live. You, you know somebody, or maybe it's you that thinks, I've gone too far. There's no chance that I'm ever gonna experience God's full forgiveness. What's the truth of God's word? Just holler it out. Forgiven. You are forgiven. What else? I am royalty in God's kingdom. What else? I am loved. What else? I am chosen absolutely from the word of God. You are not condemned. You cannot be separated from the love of God. There is no condemnation because of Christ Jesus. See, when those lies come, we demolish them. We fight back with, with, with the sword of the spirit, the truth from the word of God. And I have to say again, like sometimes it takes a long time for these strongholds to be broken or some of this stuff to be brought back to life because the lies have been there so long. These negative patterns that we get into, you know, they need to be reversed, but we, it, like, it's not always instant. Like, you know, I think of it as Let's say we live somewhere where there was actually grass outside, okay? And you're walking across the lawn every day, across your grass. I know this is a hard one to imagine. Um, I'm back in Minnesota in my mind, I guess. But um, in the few months that we actually get grass, I'll put it that way. And you walk across your lawn, like all summer, one same path, one same path. And pretty soon, all the grass is beaten down, maybe even dead, and you have a well-worn path. And for some of us, that's exactly what we've done is we have a well-worn path and we think this is how it is. This is the way it is. This is just the truth. But this grass that we've trampled, um, we've gotten used to walking on it. And if we're going to reverse that and get off of that track, that well-worn path, we're going to have to choose a different way and let that recover we're going to have to choose to walk in truth instead. This isn't some kind of you know, positive thinking self-help stuff. Uh, Romans 12 says that we renew our mind with the word of God. And the wisdom of scripture, all through scripture, it says, and, and, and by the way, just the word of God understands how we function. Body, soul, spirit, heart, mind, and will. It understands, and that's why it gives us the wisdom that it does so scripture gets it, and you better believe that the enemy understands how footholds and strongholds operate because he's using them against you. But we are not helpless, are we? What do we do? We name the lies, we take them captive, we replace them with the truth of God's word so that he renews our minds regenerates, breaks those strongholds. And, and by the power of God, by the power of God, you will not stay locked in a prison of lies when Jesus holds the key, the truth that sets you free. You will know the truth. The truth is that I am who God says I am. Truth isn't just a concept. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus and Jesus will tell you who you are, and Jesus will set you free. As the worship team comes, <clears throat> um, I just have to, I have to add this, you know. This battle 
against lies. This is not me. I hope you know. That's why I gave a very personal example. This battle against lies, it includes me too. Like, like we're in this as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters together. Like I need truth to counter the lies that are embedded that sometimes I don't even recognize are there. I, I need to demolish these strongholds in my own life so that I'm free to live and love generously like God offers to. He's not mad saying, you better get this right and do the battle. No, he's saying, oh, you could live in freedom. Will you, will you come and live in freedom? Will you choose freedom? And how about you guys? Are there any of you who, like me, recognize your need to be freed from a stronghold. Maybe it's something you think isn't that big, or maybe it is big. But whether it's big or not, is there anybody here besides me who would raise your hand before we pray and just say, you recognize you need to be freed from strongholds? Yeah, his hands all over the room. Um, Maybe you've been a Christian for decades. Maybe you're new to this whole faith thing. But whether you're watching online or here in the room, if you want to be freed from that stronghold, I'm just going to ask you to just to turn your hands upwards in a way of receiving from God, just as a posture of saying, God, I receive from you what you want to give me, the truth that you have for me. And I just want to pray now. God, we, we need your help. We need your help. We know that there is a war going on. Your word tells us there's a war going on that oftentimes it's in our own minds and hearts. We want to name one stronghold before you, God. And just do that right now, friends. Just in your heart, name one stronghold that you'd like to be free from. Just just name that. Name that one stronghold. God, we name that stronghold and we want your truth now to set us free. Some of us maybe even quickly, but most of us know that it might take time. But we want to be free. We want to be free. God, by the power of your word, would you renew our minds with your truth? Would you begin the work of renewing our minds? And in the same ways that it may take years and years to have a lie that's ingrained in our mind's pathways, we recognize it might take time for you to renew our minds so we open our hearts and selves to you. We want to live in freedom, that strongholds would be broken, that you would continually renew our minds. So God, give us the faith, the trust in you to walk this journey, to stay off the old paths of lies and destruction, to create a new path that aligns with the truth of who you declare us to be, free loved, filled with joy and hope and peace, people who are generous to those around us. We are no longer slaves to fear and anxiety, but you say that we are now the beloved sons and daughters of God. Break us free, we ask, from the strongholds and set us free to trust and believe who you say we are. The people of God set together. Amen. Amen.